Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event has appeared in the New York Times, the Chicago Magic Lounge, and will be featured at Magi Fest literally a few hours after this podcast drops and has been described by the legendary actor Alan Cumming as fantastic. Rachel Wax is my guest. She discusses her work at the McKittrick Hotel, the Slipper Room, and a lot more. Nick Lacapo stops by the show to discuss the feature product of the week from Paul Curry. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians ponder the questions of what literature they would like if they could only have one. This week, animator and magician Josh Janowski joins me for Desert Island Magic Books. Josh Janowski, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's suppose you wash up on a desert island with one magic book, but it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to fall apart in the wind and the rain and the sand. What is your Desert Island Magic Book? 100% Switch by John Lovick. Uh, first of all, I love that you had the, the forethought of making sure it was made out of Tyvek, so it was safe, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I, yeah, I have to go with Switch. I mean, anyone it's who such knows a good me book. and knows my work knows I'm kind of obsessed with money magic, and that's kind of like the big book of money magic people know about. Yeah. Also, like, there are so many things in there with a bill switch that, like, I'm pretty sure I could survive on a desert island because of that. Like, I, I bet you <laughs> on page, like, 492, there's, like, an idea on, like, how to, like, switch, like, a palm frond into, like, a shelter. So, like, I feel like it's the safest option. But also, like, there's, like I said, there's just so many cool things in there that, like, I feel like I could keep on going through it. And I would find something like exciting and it's not just going to be like, oh, wow, he switched the bill again. Like, I'd be like, whoa, yeah, that's such a cool way of switching the bill. So, yeah, definitely switched by John Lovick. It's an sure. it's an incredible book. Uh, I, I actually I bought a copy from John uh, nice. and it was it was amazing. And I, I, one of my favorite stories about it is actually slightly not related to it. There was a Penguin Max event that we had uh, Kyle Knight. Uh, Misty, okay. Misty, and Kyle Knight came to lecture, and Kyle has a really wonderful bill switch, and he uh, and he shared it with everyone. And I said, "Have I have ever seen that before?" And he goes, "No." Um, and I was like, "Are you, is is, that, is that's not in Switch by John Lovick?" And he goes, "No, actually, John saw it and uh, right after he published the book and said, well, thanks for ha- keeping this from me until after I published Switch.' Um, but Switch is an amazing Switch is a a strange book in the sense that it is it is a heavy heavy volume it's very big and it's just focused on bill switches which is exactly which a beautiful thing yeah because you don't really have like a lot of books like that like Mm -hmm. yes you could be like oh there's like books all on card magic but like you don't have like a book that's just like we're gonna give you 600 different ways of Mm -hmm. doing your double lift like no one would read that book like they would maybe read like the first three pages and they'll be like i get it it's two cards but like when it comes to like the bill switch like there's so many different things because you have like your standard like bill switch routines but then you have like cool ones where it changes currency or or it's a mismade or or drawings are swapping places like Mm -hmm. it's i don't know it's it's such a unique book um I, well, to I that effect, like, too, it's not just that it's uh, like, hey, here's a bill switch, and then here's like maybe you know mismade or change the currency. He's also teaching you other switches when he's teaching exactly. you these other ideas. So it's a it's a very comprehensive tome that is, you know, it's no secret that you know John Lovick is a major part of sort of magic literature. He's edited yes. uh, just some of the most influential books in history. Um, and, and his own books are, are tremendous, tremendous works. Exactly. No, 100%. 
And like another great thing too about it is like, so it, obviously it is John's book, but like there's a lot of contributions from so many awesome magicians. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a really great way of like almost getting like a sampler of like all yeah. of like the greatest magicians that you, you might want to know about, which I think is really cool because you can just like flip to any page and mm-hmm. you'll find something that you had never thought of before from a magician maybe you didn't know of who mm-hmm. can suddenly become like your next favorite magician. And then also just as a side note, like we talked about how big of a book it is. Like now I'm thinking about it, it could also be my raft off of the island. So like that's like a double like bonus of this book is it's all the content and also it could be my escape slash shelter. So it's, yeah, like John, thank you so much because you, you're saving my life on this one. <laughs> it's been established on this show that the desert island actually has a resort with lay people to perform for a well-stocked magic shop that has all of the gimmicks and supplies you would need to build stuff it's just really short on books this is just a very book light island that makes sense okay for a second i thought maybe it was like a dessert island and there was just like a typo in the email (laughs) and like unprepared for like survival and they're just like no here's like a cake and like some cookies and also do magic during close-up like but that makes more sense i like the resort uh vibe that we have going on here switch by john lovick is an amazing book Uh, i think more people should check it out and thanks so much for for uh introducing it to our listeners on Desert Island Magic Books. Thanks so much to Josh for joining me on the show. I also recorded an interview with Josh where he discusses how his work as an animator for hit movies like Spider-Man No Way Home influences magic and vice versa. As always, our quickfire segments are brought to you by Shazam! The podcast that hopes to make itself obsolete. Check out their January 31st episode where Corey Couture, a professional audio describer, will help you make your show more accessible for the visually impaired. Now... On to the main event. Rachel Wax is a magician based out of New York who is a design professional by day and a comedy magician who plays some of the most popular magic spots at night. She's been featured at the McKittrick Hotel, the Slipper Room Scam, and many other places, making a reputation for herself with her self-deprecating humor and powerful magic. I wanted to get the lay of the land about some of the incredible shows in New York, and who better to give me an inside scoop than one of their featured performers, Rachel Wax. And now you get to join our conversation. Rachel Wax, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I am excited to talk to you because I met you at Magi Fest in the lobby, and you literally became one of my favorite people to hang out with in the magic world. I'm so flattered. No, you shouldn't be. I mean, like, so Rachel and I hit it off. We were hanging out with John Armstrong, and she's a very funny, very talented magician. We bonded over our mutual love of dogs. She hangs out with pugs. I hang out with chihuahuas. That's the only thing we don't like about each other. But the real, yeah. real reason I wanted to have you on was because you perform at the McKittrick Hotel. Yes. Which is what... What is this gig? Because it is it seems like it's full of like some of the hippest magicians in New York performing in this like cool, like smoky basement with like handsome people and and fun stuff. Like what what is this? So it is it is definitely the hippest people, um, because I'm so hip. And uh it's so first of all, it's not a hotel. It's called the McKittrick Hotel, but it is not a hotel. You cannot stay there. I'd say this is um, this is in New York City, and that sounds like a very New York thing. Yes, welcome to welcome to New York. Um, so the rats pay rent and hotels aren't hotels. But it's not a hotel. It's really a performance space. So it's the whole building. And what they're actually famous for is a show called Sleep No More, which you may have heard of. Um, it's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure play based yeah. on Macbeth. And I can't say too much about it, but it's really awesome. And anybody who goes to New York should go to that show. I, but, I I have heard of Sleep No More from my theater nerd friends. It's 
anybody who's in theater will have heard of Sleep No More and will be like, oh, that's the coolest show. Because it's really, it's done to the nines. Mm -hmm. Just like the set design's amazing. Like they really, they're very detail oriented at the McKittrick, um, which is part of what makes the magic show so great. Um, We're not going to talk about Sleep No More, though, because it, it is, yeah. there are things in it that if you know about it, it will ruin it before you go. Yeah, so no, we're just, can't, we're, can't we're play gonna, anything other yeah. than it's awesome and you should go. Okay. Um, um, but, so the, the magic show um, is called Speakeasy Magic, and it's held in one room of the McKittrick, which is a very kind of spooky, winding hallways kind of place. So you're sort of led to the room and you don't really know where you are. You don't really know how you got there. And the room is is dark and it's fogged and it's moody and it's beautiful. And there's very delicious overpriced cocktails being served. And basically there are tables of 10-ish people and a stage. And you get to see a couple of stage acts. You get to see, um, I don't want to give too much away, but some of my absolute favorite magicians, um, mm -hmm. Alex Boyce being one of them, you get to see him, which is wonderful. And you get to see about five uh, performers at your table, close-up magicians. So the magicians cycle through the tables. Um, we do a set, we get up, we switch tables. And all the while, everyone's drinking, and it's dark, and it's smoky, and it has a very speakeasy vibe, and it's very cool. And the show is put on by Todd Robbins, who has done a really wonderful job of selecting people who are very different from each other in performance style, so that the audience really gets like a taste of a lot of different types of magic and a lot of different types of personalities, mm -hmm. which is very cool. Um, you know, you have like Matt Holtzclaw and Prakash Peru and Mark Calabrese and mm -hmm. Jason Saran. And, you know, so they're getting to see mentalism and classic magic and face tattoos and like a really great combination <laughs> of things. Um, and like a redheaded Jewish girl screaming at you. Like, it's really the best experience that you can have. It sounds amazing. And if I'm understanding this correctly, like like a group of people would like buy tickets to sit at a table. And, but they're, it's not, they're not milling around because like when I watch the yeah. promo videos for this, I mean, it, it looks like a real speakeasy where like people are just like sitting down with these magicians, but that's like a table. It's almost, they're buying, they're buying seats at a table. So you're, but you're circulating a little bit like yeah. the Chicago magic lounge before the main show. Yes, definitely. So the magicians are circulating and people can either buy tickets to sit at a table or they can buy a whole table. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's kind of cool because you end up sitting like really close and snuggled up to people you don't know and that you sort of have this like collective experience with them. Um, and, you know, you get a minute between performers where they can look at each other and talk about what they just saw and what they're enjoying and what they're not enjoying and stuff. So they see like a, like three or four magicians like in close up and then they see a stage show, which is curated by Todd Robbins as well. Yes. So Todd hosts the whole thing, mm -hmm. um, which is really wonderful. And what, what happens is things are kind of broken up. So they'll see a little bit of stage, then a couple of close-up performers, then another little bit yeah. of stage. So it's, it really keeps the show moving and keeps it from getting stale. And it, it goes by very quickly. I don't think I've ever heard of a show before where the stage show is broken up and punctuated by close-up. Which sounds just like sounds like this is one of the only places in the world you can do something like that. Uh, but also, I've, I've just I've never I want to experience. I really need to get up here and experience this because I think you really need to come here and experience yeah. it. I, 
that sounds amazing. Is there, are there any like stories you can share with us from performing at the McKittrick that uh, that have like left um, an impression upon you? Or we get a lot of surprise celebrities, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but like nobody makes a big deal out of it because everyone's too cool to make a big deal out of it. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, I'll just be like, who's in the bathroom? And then, like, Brittany Snow sits down, and I have to be, like, pretend like I'm not sweating, um, <laughs> which is really uncomfortable. Um, there's also been, you know, we get a lot of, like, funny, interesting people who come to the show. The people who are coming are are there to see magic, so it's the best-case scenario as far as audiences are concerned. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's got to be um, shooting fish in a barrel for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, it's not super easy to get to by train, so it's not like it's a nobody's popping in you know what I mean everyone's buying tickets and it's it's really great but then you get you know you get the people who are wasted the Mm -hmm. people who have to be escorted out you know we all go backstage after each table and go oh like what happened to that table what happened to that table Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like I don't know I think I think she's not here by her own choice you know you could tell when people were dragged there and it's it's fun. It's fun. You get very interesting people. And how often does the McKittrick, is the magic show, is, does Speakeasy Magic happen? Uh, uh, four nights a week. Four nights a week? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then, if I'm not mistaken, you also perform at the Slipper Room, which is, is that, this is a, that's a burlesque show, right? Yes. I don't do burlesque. I'm just, like, making that really clear. Um, Look, I've I've hosted burlesque for years, and I also don't do burlesque unless it's like a very special show, and even then, I tell them I'm going to do it, but I don't. Yeah, and I'm always embarrassed because you know, there's it's amazing because there's aerialists and burlesque performers, and a lot of them are trained dancers, and they're they're all bendy, and I'm backstage like, oh, I just threw my back out trying to touch my toes, like, but <laughs> but it's fine, it's fine. I'm going to do a card trick. Uh, um, well, so can you describe a little bit of the slipper room for us? Yeah, so the Slipper Room is downtown Manhattan. It's uh, 20-something years old. And it's this little, Matt Holtzclaw describes it as a jewel box of a room, which is really perfect because yeah. it's tiny, but there's two stories. And Oh, so there's like a balcony in there. Yes, there's jammed into that teeny tiny room is a balcony. And it gets packed to the gills. There's a teeny tiny bar the stage is really small. The backstage is even smaller. And it's it's wonderful and very New York and very unpretentious and interesting people come. And that is the kind of place where people just kind of swing by. Because mm-hmm. you can, you don't have to, it's not a, you don't have to sit down. You don't have to watch the whole show. You can come, you can leave, etc. So there's sort of an ebb and flow to the space that's a little bit different. And because most of the acts are, um to music they aren't speaking acts aside from the hosts um people can sort of chit chat in the background and drink and be a little bit more casual and it's it's a very interesting place and i've only been performing there for um uh, just a couple of months but i love it so much already is the and is the slipper room like run by like a particular burlesque troupe or is this uh sort of like a a curated show by a a, a theater company because i feel like in my dealings in the burlesque world that I've heard people like want to go perform at the Slipper Room from like around the country. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show was brought to you by Touch from Paul Curry. Nick Lacapo stopped by the studio to discuss this open prediction where any card is possible. Nick, we're talking about a trick that you've done. Uh, some dude named Paul Curry invented it. Oh, uh, some dude, yeah. Yeah, so no big deal. Uh, but then you, you took it and updated it and brought it into the 21st century and uh, we're 
about touch by Nick Lacapo and Paul Curry. Yeah, great, great trick. What this is is spectator. Uh, this is kind of like a um, it's it's, just, it's an open prediction effect where you 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 take out the Joker from the deck and you write a prediction on it. Now you don't show it to the spectator. You put it face down on the table, um, and then the spectator can touch any card in the deck or name any card really doesn't matter the the trick gets the name touch by the spectator touching any card but really they could name any card you take that card out of the deck and then you turn over the prediction that you made that's been on the table the entire time and it says let's say for example you said the six of hearts your prediction would say you will say the six of hearts and I mean, it's that direct, <laughs> it's that clean. It, it, it really is kind of like a holy grail method when it comes to prediction card effects, like open prediction card effects. The cool thing is too, when you look at a trick like this, you think, oh, I'm going to have to destroy a card every time I do this. Not with this hand. It feels like it, yeah. It feels like you're going to be messing up a card every time, but you're not actually, which yeah. is one of the really nice ways that this trick has been updated. Now, yeah, the original method for this was comes from the Worlds Beyond book. Um, Paul describes a gimmick deck that you'd have to make um, in the in the de- in the book. And the method was like it, it, the method's amazing, but the cards that were involved needed improvement, which is what I added to it here um, using the Jokers as the prediction card. So you're getting a fully gimmick deck with this. Um, it's not something that you're going to like add to a regular deck. It is a fully gimmick deck of cards. Now, also funny enough is because the deck is fully gimmicked, it's one of these types of decks that it can be any back design as well. Um, so just by change, like it's going to come in a red back design, but you, it, you, you'll see on the instructional video how it's very easy to change the back design to whatever deck of cards you want, which is really cool. I think that's understated these days where as magicians, we're just so used to like, you know, it wasn't that long ago, Eric, where you, <laughs> to get a gimmick deck of cards was a crazy deal, yeah. right? Like you had to go through hoops. So if you showed up with a gimmicked, oh my God, B deck or something, you were literally the only person on the planet that had it. But going that extra step these days of using your favorite like custom deck of cards it's really easy, and it's great. Really easy, and it, this is one of those tricks where uh, if you're trying to fool your magician buddies, they wouldn't sniff it from a mile away as a gimmick deck if you were using the new, I don't know, Room 237 deck from Penguin Magic or something like that. Anyway, um, it is a direct mentalism trick. It can be done. There's, there's no sleight of hand here. It's so easy, and um, you know I can't really think of a stronger, more direct playing card open prediction. It's a fantastic trick. Touch by Nick Lacapo and Paul Curry. Check it out. That was Touch by Paul Curry, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, our fabulous listeners get 25% off the feature product of the week when they enter the special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is Curry. That's Curry, C-U-R-R-Y, for 25% off Touch. That code is only good for Touch and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Rachel Wax. Is the And is the slipper room like run by like a particular burlesque troupe? Or is this uh, sort of like a, a curated show by a, a, a theater company? Because I feel like in my dealings in the burlesque world that I've heard people like want to go perform at the Slipper Room from like around the country. So it's actually one guy. Mm-hmm. It's this one guy and his wife, and they've been running it for 22 years, okay. maybe a little more, a little yeah. less, something like that. Um, he curates the whole show. He he chooses who's in it. He books it. He, he books every, and it's almost every night of the week too. 
and sometimes there's two shows in a night and the roster of performers is enormous and anytime you go you will not see the same show um, that's awesome but yeah there's just like one guy who spends most <laughs> of his time there i guess that's incredible it sounds like you're you're getting to perform in these really fun sort of very new york spaces that are really interesting but it's the kinds of venues that force you to produce sort of next level stuff if that if that makes sense it forces you to produce stuff that is different because i know that you've got like a lot of stuff coming because you've started performing at the chicago magic lounge uh if i'm not mistaken you're gonna have a feature in mum magazine next year yes very very excited for that and uh, uh and of course people can go see you at magi fest you're gonna be perf- you were yes, you were announced on the roster magi at magi fest 2022 doing my very best to not swear on stage <laughs> So uh, if I look red and sweaty, that's why. Uh, can I can I ask you a little bit about, you have a day job, which is, you make no secret of, but you're a fashion designer during the day. I am a fashion designer during the day, yes. That's what, why I look so tired. What kind of fashion do you design? I design mostly women's outerwear. Mm-hmm. So coats, jackets, and leather, leather pieces. Do you find your experience as a designer influencing the type of magic that you do or the way you approach magic at all? Um, I think that, I mean, in the very, in the very obvious sense, it does as far as like, I buy women's blazers that don't have big enough pockets or don't have any pockets because we don't deserve them and I can put them in myself. But I think that when you're designing clothes, it's a little bit like a puzzle, figuring out how something is going to work, how it's going to be made, how you're going to get the, it to be cost effective, et cetera. And I think thinking about things in that way as though they're a puzzle with pieces that need to come together, but you know what the final product needs to look like mm-hmm. has been helpful to me in magic when it comes to, you know, a friend of mine will say like, oh, Rachel, I had an idea for you, but it's kind of just like a seed. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, you know, make a prop 17 times over until it looks right. And I'll try different materials and and different ways of making it and talk to different people. And I think sort of that way of thinking has been really helpful to me. And with, uh, with approaching that, I mean, is it, I guess I'm, uh, I think that's fascinating, like approaching magic as a puzzle, or at least it, as a design puzzle, because a design puzzle is different from like uh, what we would think of as like a type of puzzle, like a, you know, like, you know, oh, you got to move the ball over to the wooden block and then you can like right. extract the dollar bill or something like that. Like this is a, a very different kind of thinking in getting all of the bits and pieces together. Uh, I, I guess I don't know where I'm going with that, but I, I guess I was expecting it. I was expecting a different answer and, and not a puzzle. And it sort of caught me off guard, which was interesting because I thought maybe you were going to be talking about like the look of the effect or the look of the, uh, of the trick or maybe uh, some sort of aesthetic, but approaching it differently, almost like, because what you described to me sounds more like an engineer than a designer, but I guess those two vocations aren't really that different. It's just that not you're... super different. And I do think I, I mean, obviously I care about the aesthetic of a routine, but, yeah. but I don't know that I care about it any more than mm-hmm. a lot of magicians. I know, like, I don't know that that sets me apart in any way. Um, well, I, I guess what I find I dress better than a lot of magicians, you know, I'm not going to like, <laughs> that, like, no, I guess what what I find interesting is in the way you 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 stated that was that I know a lot of magicians who have a background in engineering because they just sort of, they get to magic through the puzzle element of it. But you mm. you are quite literally the first fashion designer I've met that is a magician. 
well, I'm, you know, I'm very special. That's you, clearly what's happening here. You are very special. Well, we're, or we're crazy. <laughs> I would, I, I would, I would argue both. Uh, Fair. Where, uh, we're about out of time. Where can people find uh, more things about where you're going to be performing and some of the cool things that you're doing? Um, I, I post a lot on my Instagram. You can follow me at rwax, R-A-R, yep, yep, can't spell right now, that's happening, <laughs> at R-W-A-X-X. Um, I, I oftentimes will post like my upcoming public show schedule and, and where I'll be at and where you can find me there. Excellent. Well, Rachel Wax, thanks so much for joining us here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I look forward to hanging out with you at Magi Fest next year. And I need to get up to New York and see some of these cool shows you're talking about. I know. And go on a tour of eating so much pizza you get really sick. I'm I'm into it. All right. uh, Let's stop this interview and go look at dogs. Do you want to do it? Hell yeah. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Rachel for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. I look forward to hanging out with Rachel this weekend at Magi Fest. Chris Hanawell and Nick LaCoppa will be in our booth at the dealer's room, and I'll be roaming the convention looking to see some cool tricks, so be sure to say hello. Next week on the show, I feature magician, artist, and forgery expert Chris Dixon. Chris is the man behind some of the most incredible reproductions of first edition copies of Erdnays, including a reproduction of the one owned by Vernon. You are not going to want to miss this. As always, we're a weekly podcast so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you're posting your wordle scores if you want to reach out to me about anything on this week's show you're gonna have to dig me out of my house we got a bunch of snow here and my dogs have been sprinting around the snowdrifts like crazy puppies because i guess when the winter comes they forget their chihuahuas if shoveling my driveway doesn't sound like a good time for you you can always hit me up on instagram at eric tate that's at e-r-i-k-t-a-i-t from me and everyone else here at the p3 magic studios Practice. Practice. Perform.